Well, I have never spoken in the round before. I pray that I don't get dizzy or trip over the stool or uh, get distracted. My ADD is always seeing something, you know. So uh, let's pray together because I'm going to need it. Lord, if your spirit doesn't do the work, it isn't worth it. And so we pray today that your spirit would be with us and in us and among us and speaking to us as we uh, receive your truth today. And so, God, we lift up our lives to you as an offering. We lift up our bodies to you, our, our intent to you, our will to you, our desire to you as an offering that is pleasing because of what Christ has done and what Christ continues to do in us and through us. So thank you so much for the honor of being a part of your kingdom and, and being able to share in your glory by doing your will. Uh, what an honor. What a huge honor that we don't deserve. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when Pastor Dan first uh, told me that I was going to speak on New Year's, and usually this is a Sunday that I normally get, so it's not like I was surprised, uh, but he talked about New Year's resolution, and I thought to myself, oh, great. I, uh, I am not a New Year's resolution guy. Uh, it's just not my thing. Um, I'm, I thought I was being asked to talk about the thing I really just don't like about the holidays, this idea of a New Year's resolution. And so I, I just got to be honest here. I never really make them up. And I just can't find the motive to change because the calendar changed. Is anybody the same way as me? We just can't. Do, okay, so we're together, and the, some of us, and some of us are just like, yeah, I don't know, I, I quit. I don't know. They just, there's no motive there, right? Uh, one of the suggestions I make to my students in the youth ministry is that before you decide to make or implement any change or exercise any kind of self-discipline, that the first thing you do is rest. And sleep. Get adequate rest and so that when you wake up the next morning, you have the energy and, and the, the refreshment to do what God has asked you to do. It's a good first step in any discipline is to get rest. Celebrate the Sabbath. Be at peace. And yet on the night that we're supposed to make these huge life-changing decisions... We stay up until all hours of the night, right, to watch some ball drop on a skyscraper, right? Or we, could, we stay up to watch the fireworks that go off. Anybody have fireworks? For, I like fireworks. I've got to be honest. I'll stay up for fireworks. But does anybody know that on December 31st each year, the sun goes down at 429? Why do we have to wait till midnight? We could have it before dinner. I mean, is anybody in, in, in you know July 4th thinking, "Hey, there's fireworks, and we got We're still waiting because the sun is still up, and it's 8:30." That's not true. We could go so much earlier when it's so much warmer, and we could all go to bed on time, right? 4:29. I mean, that's early. And as a youth pastor. On New Year's Day, I'm in recovery for the past 18 years. I sleep a lot on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and I'm just trying to recover. I go on these trips or events with junior high and high school students 
who, who have this supreme motivation to stay up as late as possible, right, when I want to check out at 12.01. Because my children will be waiting for me at 7.01 in the morning. I won't get enough sleep. And so no one feels like implementing changes the next day because we're all too tired. I can't recall a single New Year's resolution that I have kept. In fact, I can't recall a single New Year's resolution that I have even made. I just am not into this. And so they're not my thing. And I lead ministries filled with human beings that have boundless energy and very little life experience making critical decisions. And yet they believe they know everything. And the truth is, is they have never paid a bill for any of the essentials of life yet. Right? And so that's not to disrespect them. They're wonderful. They'll do crazy things for God you don't even think of. Right? But here I lead this ministry... And, and I'm exhausted because of that. And, and I have three wild and wonderful young little boys who are always ready to play, no matter how tired I may be. And I don't know if any of you know my wife, but she can get more done in a day than most of us get done in a week. And so if I had a New Year's resolution to make out of myself, right, get some sleep and try to keep up. That's what I've got. So I thought I was the wrong guy for this job. In fact, the the title of today's message is five points or five resolutions. I don't have five. I've got one that I'm going to say five times. All right. And so uh, I thought I was, you know, going to have to just make something up and kind of fake. And and I'm not good at that. I can't do that. My wife says I'm a terrible liar. It's a good thing. But this, uh, this description came to me afterwards. Dan said, you know, asked the day, but a few minutes later, I got his description. And he took me off the hook. He said, the New Year is a great time. I'm reading the actual description for the sermon today. The New Year's is a, is a great time to turn a new leaf and to plan Holy Spirit-empowered resolutions that will help you walk closer, with, closer to Jesus. Pastor Justin will be sharing biblical insights as we head into the new year on where our biblical priorities should be. And I thought, yeah, I can't make New Year's calendar. You know, click, New Year, got to be a new person. Doesn't work for me. But he didn't say that. He said, Holy Spirit-empowered resolutions. And that's exciting. And so today, let's look at what it takes to make a Holy Spirit-empowered resolution. Because if we randomly make our own resolutions... They're failures. Anybody agree? If we make them out of ourselves and out of our flesh, well, they're not quite worth it, are they? But resolutions empowered by the Spirit, when the Spirit brings a resolve into us, some amazing things happen. Samson slays thousands of Philistines and pushes over buildings. David kills Goliath. Elijah, in the power of the Spirit, calls down fire from heaven and the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us in Romans 8.11 says it is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so if you don't like change and yet you've invited Christ in, 
I'm sorry. (laughs) Big changes can happen. Huge things can be done. Resolutions by the power of the Holy Spirit have a real potential. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is able. No doubt about that. Right? But the rub comes when we look at our own lives and we say, wow, He is infinitely capable. And then we look at our own lives and we go, not quite competent. Right? I'm incompetent. And so I would like you to look at some of the people around you and tell them, just be honest, I'm incompetent. Just tell, Husbands, tell your wife. They already know. Wives, tell your husbands. They need to hear it. Parents, tell your children. Children, tell your parents. It's good that we all admit together that by ourselves, we're incompetent. By myself, I'm incompetent. But empowered by the Holy Spirit, I, I need to be dealt with. You know, the devil gets freaked out. Right? And so we need to admit that. And so I'm incompetent. And when I start to get discontent with my incompetence, that's when something starts to change. That's when I usually start to think, I want to make a resolution. I want to change. I want to resolve myself to something. So this, this discontent is usually the source of res, re, er, resolution. Um, so people who are discontent with their body, I'm mildly discontent with my body. To be honest, right? Uh, I tried to make a resolution one year maybe to, like, I'm going to lose some weight. I didn't have anything to do with New Year's. And really it was my wife's decision that caused me to lose 20, 25 pounds. I ate 15 back on. But there it is. And so... I resu- one of our responses to in- this, uh, this, um, this discontent is to make a resolution. And so with, a bo- with our body, we would say healthy food and I've got to work out regularly. But the other option when you become discontent with something in your life is to surrender to it. Give up and give in. Say, I don't have the power to change. And so you say to yourself, I accept it and do nothing and feel even worse about yourself and probably become even more unhealthy. When people are discontent about their relationships, they usually make a resolution, or hopefully they're going to make a resolution about their relationship. And so if you have a relationship with somebody and there's something, you're not satisfied in it, you're discontent, you resolve to forgive and restore and reconcile. Right? And you're going to do everything on your and within the power that God gives you to do that and ask Him to into the situation to do some mighty thing. And so we become discontent with the relationship. Hopefully we make a resolution. But if we don't, we accept distance and allow the disconnection to get even worse and worse and worse. True or not? The last one here is in our marriages. We're with our children. We can make a resolution if we're discontent. You can make a resolution. You can say, I resolve to invest my time and my effort and my attention to draw near to my spouse or my child or my parent. Or 
I can accept the decay in my marriage or in my relationship with my children or with my relationship with my parents. I can just accept the decay. And some, you know, some of us, if our marriage is not going well, we'll even begin to dream dreams of other people. Not good. Right? And so don't give in. You have the power by the Holy Spirit to make resolutions that can transform life as you know it. Infinitely more than you ever hoped or dreamed. Infinitely more. If I would have looked at myself at 16 years old and the idiot that I was, I would never think that I could be the man that God has made me to be today. And what more can God do by the time I'm, you know, 45 or 55 or 60? He can do more and more and more, infinitely more. And so spiritual discontent is what I want to look at now and get into the Word right now really heavily. And look at some, uh, you know, as we think about these previous examples of where you get discontent somewhere, well, do you have spiritual discontent? I'm hoping you do. I'm hoping you're not sitting in your chair today saying, I'm enough like Jesus, this is pretty good. Or, I'm content with the working of God through me at this point. I'm just good. This is fine. I don't want anything to change. I don't want you to be there. I want you to be discontent so you make a a Holy Spirit-empowered resolution. And so I, I chose the passage today from Galatians chapter 5, and verse 16. And you'll notice here today I'm skipping in this passage around. I've taken the points about the Holy Spirit and combined them together, and I've taken spirits about, points about the flesh and I put them together. So you should read this one after church and see how the flow works. It goes back and forth to teach a solid lesson. But today to get the two, these two contrasts, we're going to do, the, do them one at a time. And so that's how the Scripture lays out. I'm going to lay it out today. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And so one of the responses to discontentment in a spiritual way, right, is to say, I'm going to go with the sinful nature. I'm just going to give in to what is ignorant and lazy and thoughtless that satisfies the urges of my flesh. I'm going to sit on my couch. I'm going to get sit by and let it all go happen. I'm going to go with the flow of the world and with the life that's happening. And that is the way of the flesh. Right? It's self-gratifying and self-serving at its core. And it accepts the sin actively for some of us. And what I mean by that is actively we go out and decide to sin and do things that God tells us not to do. Or passively, we decide to just not do what the Spirit is telling us to do, which is also a form of sin. Does that make sense? You just decide, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to listen. That's sin, right? And so uh, some of us think we're getting away with it, but we're not. And so here's what it then goes on to say. It's a pretty heavy passage of A hard hitter here. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And some of you may say, Justin, are you using NLT? I'm using NLT today, the New Living Translation, because the other translations are sixth grade reading level and above, and we've got sixth graders in here. But that word wild parties is really naughty. Okay? And so wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about losing the rewards of being in the kingdom. Eternal, permanent rewards. If you give in to the flesh and say, either I'm going to pursue sin and choose to do it and allow it to be in my life, or you say, I'm just going to reject the Spirit's leading in my life, it's bo- both of these are going to result in a harvest, right? Let's take a moment to look at this list. I call this list the fruits of the flesh. The fruits of the flesh. You've all heard the fruits of the Spirit? This is another list. The fruits of the flesh. And you look at this list, and a lot of Christians will go, I, I'm not doing that bad. I, there's one that I don't do at all. I never even thought, you know, there's maybe there's... But most of us are looking at this list going, okay, outburst of anger, that was this morning. Selfish ambition, that was this morning. Dissension, this morning. Division, this morning. Emptiness, this morning. Drunkenness, two days from now. Wild party. You know, okay. So, you know, we think we think we don't have idolatry. We are so raised in an idolatrous culture. I mean, it is everywhere. It seeps into everything. And so this list is everywhere. The fruits of the flesh list. Or at Christmas time, the naughty list. Right? Naughty. They're very present in our culture. In our daily lives, turn on your television. Here's the list of what you will see. Entertainment. Entertainment's one of our idols. I don't know. If Jesus saw how much time some of us were watching TV, he'd be like, what are you doing? I know, maybe, you know, a half-hour show. Okay. But how much time are we going to devote and waste in this television thing? Right? And so it's in our daily lives, on our TV shows, on our Facebooks, on our Instagram, on Twitter. It's in our motives, and it's in our schedules, and it's in our conversations. It's in our families. It's in our marriages. It's in our friendship. And this is not an exhaustive list. And it says, the last one, and other sins like these, like gossip and slander. I mean, there's so many more on the fruits of the flesh list, right? It's not an exhaust. There's so many more, and yet just this list, yeah, I'm all over it. And I know that we all are. We all got to get to this point where we admit, you know, that we're in on this list. A lot of people look at this list and say, well, I'm not that bad, you know. Compared to the people in my culture around me, I'm doing pretty good. And I say repent of that. 
you say, I have some good intentions. Good intentions don't mean anything because good intentions are taught to us by this world around us, right? So let's not look at this list and say, yeah, I'm doing okay. Let's look at this list and say, how are these fruits in my life? And if you've developed some contentedness with the presence of any of these fruits in your life, I pray you repent. That's one of my resolutions that started before I ever thought about New Year's, is this, this desire to be a quick repenter and an and and aggressive repenter and to, to ask God to search me and expose things within me that, are gone, that have gone wrong or why I did something for the wrong motive or the wrong motive, you know, with the wrong motive or in the wrong attitude. And so I've got to seek God and say, God, can you reveal these things in me? Because the fruit of the flesh is a big deal. And if you think it's no big deal, you're wrong because the fruit of the flesh bears seeds. Right? You take tomato, you take a tomato, you put it in the ground, it's going to bear seed, has seeds and it's going to grow more. So if this fruit, any of this fruit of the flesh is in your life, you've got to start saying, I don't want this because this stuff grows like a plague. And I plant it into my spouse. And I plant it into my children. And I plant it into my friendships and in my relationships. I don't want these things in my life, Lord. Please help me to repent and, and recognize when they're present and to get rid of them so maybe your resolution is like mine this year god help me to be really fast and thorough in my repentance and aware of the fruits of the flesh that are present within me so that i cannot plant them into my children and not plant them into my marriage and not plant them into my relationships so that they don't have to harvest them and the people around me don't have to harvest them. I will more actively repent this year. On to verse 17. This is where things, you know, Justin, this this is a pretty hard message up to this point. Really hard, you know, challenging. And I feel really bummed out. Well, this is when we turn to the power of the Spirit. Right? Let's get these things out and instead let's pursue the Spirit. And in verse 17b says this, And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. This is the good response of spiritual discontent. Say, okay, I've become discontent. I see the fruits of the flesh in my life and I don't want them anymore. And the answer is to not try and stop those. But the answer instead is to turn to the Spirit. Ooh, it's good to be 360. still got people when I turn around, right? Is to turn away. And turn towards what God has for us, right? Turn towards the desires of the Spirit. And so I'm hoping this is your resolution as well, that the Spirit leads you in selfless and diligent and thoughtful and an eternally beneficial life that requires that you put your faith into action and produces results that are contrary to the results of the sinful nature and allow us to experience God at work powerfully within us. And so I pray that you want this. 
I pray that you're not content. That you're not, you know, just letting life kind of happen. But that you're moving forward and saying, God, lead me. Take me in your direction and do those things that are immeasurably more than I could ever hope or than I could ever imagine. Verse 17c, here's the next one. For these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This is mind-blowing to me. When I read this scripture for the first time, I, I didn't really get the not free to carry out your good intentions. I didn't really understand what that really meant. And so I wondered if this translation was really good. And it turns out this is a very solid interpretation of what the text meant here. You're not free to carry out your good intentions. You might have good intentions, but that doesn't mean they're spiritual. That doesn't mean they're God's intentions for you. And so many of our lives are filled with good intentions that have nothing to do with God. And we think we're good people because we have so many good intentions. But this verse kind of blows that up, doesn't it? You're not free to do these good intentions. Your freedom is to follow the Spirit of God and to live a new life in Christ, led by Christ, right? And so good intentions aren't very good. None of your decisions are free from the struggle between the flesh and the Spirit. The Spirit is always ready and willing to instruct and and provide direction and, and give insight. However, so is the flesh. And the flesh has a lot of resources at its disposal as well. Namely, the whole world. You go out into the world and people are going to applaud your good intentions that have nothing to do with God. Right? If the devil can't get you to go in the direction of sin, he's going to give you good intentions. Does that make sense? And so, let's be careful here and recognize that we are in a struggle. And that struggle is inside of ourselves first and that we lose more than we think we do. And we need to be aware more and be more active in our repentance. So, the world and all of its idols and organizations and sports and parties and playdates and clubs and teams and competitions and performances and practices and 5Ks and 10Ks and social outings and banquets and ceremonies and reunions and etc., etc., etc. will keep us from asking the Holy Spirit what to do if we're not careful. We've got to be so careful. And if, if they keep us from doing what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, they become sinful. Don't they? And this is a struggle I have a lot with challenging people who are immature in the faith. They don't realize this. And so today I'm hoping this message instructs you. Good intentions aren't worth a whole lot. Do what the Spirit says. Do what the Spirit says. And all these other activities that the world applauds, are not that valuable. Think about what good they are eternally and ask yourself, is this something 
that the Holy Spirit wants me to do anymore. Because I don't know if this is valuable. And as you head into this new year and this new calendar, and this is a good opportunity, I'll admit it, to think this through. Before I go in, before I, before I start this next calendar year off, is there anything I just need to quit? It's just not that important. It's a lot of good intentions and a lot of no spiritual results. And do I need to get somewhere and do something else? Right? And then it goes on to verse 22 here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our love, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Pastor Dan talked a bit about this on uh, the Christmas Eve service. Do a fruit check. Right? And ask yourselves, is this growing in my life? Is joy growing? Is peace growing? Is the character of Christ? Is patience growing? Is patience growing? Is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Am I growing in this fruit? Are my children growing in this fruit? Is what I'm helping them to be involved in helping them to follow the Holy Spirit? Did I ask the Holy Spirit before I signed them up? Did I ask the Holy Spirit before I made this commitment? And maybe this year it's time to say, no, this year my, my family, we together are going to work on the fruit of the Spirit and do activities that make us more like Christ and have eternal value. Please, please do that. Serving among the leaders of this church, I get to hear a ton of good news and praises And there's so much to celebrate going on here because people are growing in the fruits of the Spirit and they're becoming more like Christ and there's reason to run around and dance and sing every Sunday because there's a lot of good things happening. And so I want to say that first before I say what I'm about to say, which is a little bit more difficult to hear. I get to hear the lousy news and the lame excuses a lot. The, you know, palm forehead Oh, how did that happen? You know, with Pastor Dan and Pastor Rich, some of us are, oh. We get a little frustrated. We want more for you. We want more. Scripture tells us to make allowances for the weak in the faith, and we try. But let's put out real challenges here. One leader called, and I get to share this, the joy of serving this with this, with this leader quite a bit. And this leader had a lot of people as you start to drop out of an activity in church. And they said, I'm kind of, I'm done, I don't really want to do it. And on this particular day, this leader has decided, I better start making more phone calls. And this leader heard more bad news. And more bad news. And more excuses. And no's. And saying, I can't, I'm sorry, I won't, I don't really want to, I'm not comfortable. And i got to be honest, I hear these excuses a lot too. And we all make them. And on this particular day, this leader said something that was pretty profound. She said, did they expect kingdom work to be easy? I mean, this is spiritual war, right? It's not supposed to be comfortable It's supposed to drain us out. 
It's supposed to ask from us more than we're more than we're comfortable giving. It's supposed to ask more. It's supposed to push us, right? It's supposed to test our faith. And she went on and she talked about it for a while. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It is. It's not supposed to be easy. We're not calling people to get more comfortable. We're not calling them to make to spiritual contentedness. We're calling them to spiritual discontent. To be not satisfied with where they're at in their relationship with Christ and where, how they're effective in the kingdom of God and how much they experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not calling them to be content in that. We're calling you to more. And it is not going to be easy. And this is a fight. And you will get tired. Don't give up. Don't quit. When the flesh says, don't get up and pray, get up and pray. When the, when the flesh says, don't join a small group, resist it, follow the Spirit, right? Join a small group. When the flesh says, don't disciple children, go disciple children, right? Whatever it says, whatever your reason for stepping out or, or holding back or staying comfortable, stop. Because you're not planting the fruit of the Spirit. You're planting the fruit of the flesh and you need to be really careful to not do that. Your good intentions are not so good. And so look for a place to get poured out so that you can come back to God and say, I need a refill because I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to go pour myself out and come back and get a refill. I'm going to do more and more and more. And when you do that in the power of the Spirit, you're way tougher than you think you are. You can handle a lot more because God's refreshing and His empowering is there, but you've got to empty yourself out and get used to that. Christ came into this world and He set the example for us. How much did it cost Him? Every day. Can you imagine how tiring it was? And yet the Spirit empowered Him. So I pray that you follow the Holy Spirit. Because it's, and it's supposed to be hard. And it's supposed to be draining. Because that pushes you to grow more like Christ. It's in our suffering we become more like Christ. It's not on the couch. It's not watching our favorite TV shows most of the time. I mean, God does weird things at weird times. He does whatever He wants. But I would say that most of the time, it isn't happening. So don't allow yourself to continue in immaturity. If you backed out, you stepped away, or you hold back, or you refuse to make um, a spiritual, uh, Holy Spirit-guided commitment to the Lord. Stop that. Do it. Be reckless. And and say, let go of all these things in this world. Pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit what it wants and completely ignore the whispers and the whining and the wailing of your flesh as you implement the decision the Holy Spirit has led you to take. And maybe I've been talking today and, and that's happening. You're like, man, I've got to get back in the game. Or I've got to get this fruit of the flesh out of my life. I've got to be done with this or I've got to start this. Uh, Lord, I've got to be discontent with where I am. I've got to want more of you and follow the Spirit and listen to you more and more. I'm praying that that has happened today, that you'd receive 
that challenge that you get in this life of the Spirit. Life empowered by the Spirit. And so I'd like to close with this last verse. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I pray that for you today. That you would take that desire to be spiritually content and to not grow in Christ, and you would take that and you would crucify it. And that you would take those fruits of the flesh that are growing in your life and in your family, and you would bring them to the cross, and you would crucify them on the cross of Christ and say, those are paid, and now we're done, and now we're walking towards the Holy Spirit's direction. Can we do that? Every area of our lives. So let's pray together and spend some time just asking God, God, what is it that the Spirit leads me to do? Lord, we come before you today as a bunch of incompetent people who on our own don't matter or mean a whole lot. But because of what Christ has done, we have a new hope and a new future and a new purpose. And it is outside of what we used to be and who we even are today. It's who you want us to be and what you can do in us and through us. So God, help us in this moment to reflect a little bit on what needs to change and what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. Lord, the great news about Your Word is that we don't have to wait until January 1st to apply it. And we can have an action step today. And we can go out from this place and start living by the Spirit this very instant. And we can start following through on the things that the Holy Spirit has told us to do right now. We can go up to the children's ministry desk and say, sign me up. Or we can go to the, the small group's de- uh, area and say, Lord, you know, which one? I'm going to join a group or I'm going to come to that new, uh, new small group um, party kind of thing that Pastor Rich talked about earlier. I'm going to get in this. Or I'm going to join in the youth ministry. Or I'm going to support the men's ministry or, or the women's ministry or outreach ministries or compassion ministries. I am going to get in this. And I am going to put away this flesh of mine. And I'm going to take it to the cross and crucify it and leave it there. Help us to do it. Help us to take that action step at the close of this service right now. Amen.